Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. If you don't have a, a, a personal take on your topic, why write a book at all? You know, if you're just, you know, grabbing a bunch of information from different sources and putting it all together, there's some value to that because, you know, you're, you're shortening people's research process, I suppose. But, you know, the real value is in what is it? How is how do you look at this topic? I want to know, you know, you're the expert. You know something that I don't know. Like, share that with me. And that all goes back to the personality and the voice and, and figuring out what all of that looks like. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, my name is Angela Hollowell. I'm the host of Honey and Hustle, and today I am here with Emily Crookston, who is, as we know, the pocket PhD, but she is so much more than that. Emily, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, Angela. Excited to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. So as people have probably noticed, the term PhD does not come lightly. And in my experience in grad school, and that's at the master's level, PhD level, anything, one of the biggest accomplishments is having your name in the credits on a paper, right? On a published article. But now you've made the transition to say, you know, I don't, I don't care about any of that, actually. I don't want my name anywhere. I just want to help other people. I would rather be a ghostwriter. How did you go from being the person who's authoring scholarly articles to now saying like, yeah, yeah I don't want to do any of that. I want to just put other people first. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it and a great question. Yeah, I would say, so I was a philosophy professor. I taught for about seven years. I was on the job market for all seven of those years. And it was a real grind for anybody who's ever been on the academic job market or knows anything about how academia works. There are way more PhDs than jobs, <laughs> or at least good jobs out there, and especially in the humanities, it is it is rough to be on the job market. And so, you know, I I went through my own little you know story around academia and difficult times. My I could tell some war stories or whatever, but it was you know I just at a certain point I just said, okay, I I need to get out. I'm going to give myself a year to figure out what I want to do because I literally hadn't thought about what I would do besides teach philosophy, you know, basically since I was 18 years old. And so I said, well, you know, I think I like marketing. I think marketing is kind of cool, really literally not knowing anything about marketing and what it entails. But a friend of a friend was looking for marketing help and she got on the phone with me for my interview and basically gave me the lay of the land around marketing, which I really appreciated. But I started writing blog posts for her and she had clients who needed blog posts. She runs a web development marketing company. And so I was really starting out ghost blogging. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I didn't really call it that in the beginning. I, to me, it was just doing marketing. You know, it hadn't really occurred to me that ghost writing was its own separate thing. 
but you know, several months in, someone called me a ghostwriter and I said, oh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and, you know, not having credit, you know, it to me, I've never really felt like, oh, this person is stealing my ideas or, oh, you know, I'm giving away, you know, I'm, I'm giving away my ideas or something like that. Because the people that I work with, like to do a really good job ghostwriting, it's a really collaborative process. They bring their ideas to the table. I write them. You know, it's almost like a mind meld. And, you know, I, I don't ever feel like, oh, I wish I had credit for that because it's not in my industry. It's not, you know, it's not usually a topic I know anything about. I'm really an amateur, which I think helps me to write well because I'm kind of in the position of being their reader, you know, their target reader. So I really like the collaborative side of the whole thing. And yeah, and I get compensated well. So that, that also makes it feel better than you know, academia where you're spending hours and hours writing a paper that maybe five people read. <laughs> At least the work that I help get out into the world gets read by bigger audiences, which, which you know, makes me feel good. That's awesome. So I want to dive into two separate things yeah. that you talked about, which again, when I think of writing or professional writers, I think of pretty much a solo person, somebody who wakes up, has maybe a writing routine of some sort, whether they're working for themselves or working for other people, but somebody that has a writing routine, they're largely just like sipping their coffee, you know, getting some morning light, you know, <laughs> hopefully, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> right. They're a leather bound journal for a set amount of time. And then they go back and edit it at another time. And then maybe they have the client look over it and give edits or revisions. And then they're pretty much good to go and they're on to the next piece, however long that takes. But you're saying it's a little less like that. It's a little less solitary. And so that's interesting. How did you work through that collaborative process during the pandemic, which is now where you're like, was, has it always been a virtual process for you? Or like, what, what, what has that been like? Yeah, yeah. I've had a few local clients, people who were local to me and I worked with, which is fun. I love that. And I've had a couple of ghostwriting clients who I was working with virtually, but they wanted to do an in-person day, you know, or they'd come for a weekend and we'd work together or something like that. And that's always fun and cool. You know, you, there's a lot to be said for being in the room with a person and, you know, learning their personality and uh, people just open up a lot more when there's not a screen between <laughs> between you and them. So that can be a really nice part of the process. But most of the time I am working virtually with people. And they are the subject matter experts. I'm really interviewing them and getting their information. In fact, if I'm not getting enough information from a client, it, it can be a real struggle sometimes. It's like, well, now I'm just writing what I'm finding online. You know, I'm not much better than AI at this point, you know, unless you give me your, you know, personal take on this issue. That's what everyone wants to hear. They don't want to hear the generic information that they can find by Googling. They want to hear your opinion. So usually when I put it to clients in that way, it makes a lot of sense to them. And I think it really puts their minds at ease because I think a lot of people worry about hiring a ghostwriter, wondering how I'm going to capture their voice, wondering if it's going to feel like theirs, you know, if they're going to be able to own it in the end. And I think those are really great questions to ask, you know, if you're thinking about hiring a ghostwriter. Like that's how I get around those kinds of concerns. It, it, it is your work because you're feeding me ideas and I'm just expanding on them and using them to, to build the piece along with some research, no doubt, in most cases, you know, with the books, at least there's, there's a lot of research involved, but it's also, you know, I found this piece of information. What do you think about it? Does it, 
does it work? Do you agree with this opinion in this article? You know, do you want to include it in the book? You know, these kinds of questions. But yeah. Yeah. So I think that's super, super needed when we talk about how AI and things like that are going to continue to shape the creative landscape going forward. You know, there obviously there's always going to be with people like, yeah, it's good. I take my job. And I'm like, I don't know if it's that deep <laughs> um, because again, like when it comes to injecting personality and getting these like firsthand accounts of stories that aren't already available on the internet, there's going to be a gap between what AI can provide and what a human needs to provide in order to make this something people one actually want to read and two, something that actually sounds like the person wrote it. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so just like, I would love to hear your take on injecting personality, right? Because again, it is just as much their voice as it is your interpretation of their voice. So, and I know that's like a philosophical thing. Is this one? No, it's an interpretation of one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, your philosophical yeah. approach to ghostwriting? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, personality is so important. You know, I mean, that if you don't have a, a, a personal take on your topic, why write a book at all? You know, if you're just, you know, grabbing a bunch of information from from different sources and putting it all together. There's some value to that because, you know, you're you're shortening people's research process, I suppose. But, you know, the real value is in what is it? How is how do you look at this topic? I want to know, you know, you're the expert. You know something that I don't know. Like, share that with me, you know, and and that all goes back to the personality and the voice. And, and figuring out what, what all of that looks like. But the other piece of it is that I think the piece where a ghostwriter can really be helpful is, you know, I have a lot of distance from what we're writing and I can sort of look at it and say, what, what here does your audience really need to hear or want to hear? You know, so then I can kind of tailor, you know, the direction of the conversation can go where you might not take it because that's, you know, what I'm seeing and I, and from my expertise that I bring in, you know, well, I know what audiences resonate, what would resonate with your audience. You know, I have ideas about that and, you know, I can kind of steer things in that direction. And I think that that's really helpful. I'm working on my own book right now and I really wish I had a me outside of my own head <laughs> to help me figure out like what parts do I really need? What does my audience really want to hear from me? And luckily I have a good friend who's saying, you know, this is what you do. This is your superpower. Like This is your thing to talk about. You know, and I'm like, yeah, OK, got it. You know, <laughs> I can go with that. So I think it's really important when you're writing a book to think about, you know, what is the superpower? What's different about your book from every other ghostwriter or every other consultant? You know, whatever it is that that you're working on. But a lot of the time, you know, you can you can go with your system. You can give people an inside look into your system and the methodology. And I think sometimes people worry that they're giving away too much and why would someone work with me if they can just buy the book? And I think, you know, people are going to read your system and your methodology and they're going to say, oh, she knows a lot more than I can do about this. There's no way I could do this myself. You know, I think that's the more typical reaction than, oh, awesome. I have a roadmap now. I can do this all myself. Um, we're all looking for ways to outsource all kinds of things if we can. And why wouldn't you hire the expert if you had that option? Yeah. And I think, honestly, either way, 
the person benefits, right? Yeah. If they have a roadmap and they're like, oh, I got some value out of this. Aren't they more right. likely to tell someone else and share that with someone else exactly. who may be looking for it? And then if they're like, oh, wow, I got an introduction. I learned something. Now I'm ready for more and to dive deeper because I feel educated about the topic and I know what to ask for now from this subject matter expert. I'm ready to dive deeper, maybe, you know, invest a little bit more. You still win. Either way exactly. you win, mm-hmm. you know? Agreed. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes like we look at, you know, and this is myself included, like, you know, if I make a masterclass, if I make a video course, if I make a digital product, or if I write a tweet thread that gives away my process for something, a YouTube video, whatever, am I giving away too much? Like, are people going to just like get it, leave it, never want to have anything else to do with me, right? But, you know, we really have to frame it as like, what is a, what would a win-win look like for your audience, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, in any industry, in any way, like what does a win-win look like for them and how can I provide that in a way that feels authentic to me, right? Because that's essentially like where we're going. Even if you're outsourcing certain parts of your business or certain parts of your creative process, you still want it to look, feel, sound like you, right? So when we talk about, you know, just like injecting personality and having a take and like, you know, I think sometimes... Again, to the, I wouldn't even say extreme, but to the reality that people were like, oh, I'm going to get noticed more, but the more controversial my take is. But that doesn't have to be the case more often than not. It can just be like something that has been accepted in an industry that you're bucking the system on, right? Mm -hmm. That really like the four-day work week. That's not necessarily like hurting anybody's feelings if you work four days a week. (laughs) <laughs> but it is a bug to like the traditional work week system. And so that's like a an opinion that can get you far. Like how have you talked clients through? And like clients can be anyone, right? It can be like thought leaders. It can be entrepreneurs. It can be, you know, business owners, anybody. Like how have you talked people through like how to develop an opinion that you can translate in your marketing Yeah, yeah. This is something I've been thinking a lot about lately because, you know, if you want to be a thought leader, you're absolutely right. You could share the best practices. You can share any kind of educational content to help your your clients. But if you're only sharing the surface level stuff, if you're sharing the stuff that every other person in your industry is sharing, you're really not going to stand out. You know, you're really just not going to grab people's attention. They might read your post and say, yeah, okay, I get it. Or write down your five tips. They might even save your post, <laughs> right? But they're, you know, if a person's on the fence about working with you, you have to think, is this post going to push them off the fence? Probably not. You know, they, they're going to say, oh, that's good information. Write it down. You know, they might think about it later, but they're not going to be moved to work with you. And the thing is, like, you, you're absolutely right. Like, controversial sounds scary. Oh, I've got to write a controversial post or I say polarizing, you know, polarizing. You you really should polarize your audience. But, but what I mean by that is you want to get them to make a decision about you. And that could be good or bad. They might say, oh, I'll never work with that person. Or, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. I wonder if I agree. Right now you've got that. Now they're paying attention. And now they're probably going to look for you later <laughs> in the feed, right? They're going to remember oh, this person is saying some really interesting things. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be politics. You don't have to talk about religion (laughs) to be polarizing or controversial. You just have to be different from 
the norm in your field or different from, you know, what everyone else is saying on LinkedIn. That's exactly why, you know, the four day work week became this this kind of craze or quiet quitting became this kind of craze because they were saying the thing that other people weren't saying, but it resonated. Right. People understood it. That's the thing you kind of want to figure out, you know, and I really like the question. You know, if someone is on the fence about working with me, what would shift them? off the fence, <laughs> right? And thinking about that question before you start writing your posts on LinkedIn or creating your blog or whatever it is, whatever kind of content you're working on. But yeah, it's scary. And I want to acknowledge that it can be scary to share those kinds of ideas. You know, the thing, you know, that thing that you know deep down in your gut that you've always wanted to share, but you're never quite sure how to say it or you're, you just haven't been bold enough to say it. Um, you know, put it out there and see what happens. You know, that's kind of my biggest piece of advice, you know, just dance along the edge of your comfort zone for a minute, you know, like <laughs> see what, once you see that the world doesn't fall apart, I think it gets a little bit easier to share those kinds of things. And those are really what will make a difference. That's what will get people to, you know, start conversations with you in the comments on LinkedIn, or, you know, you know, that's what will get more post impressions, like all of that. It really is about the content. I can sit here and tell you all kinds of tactical tips about, you know, you need to be consistent on LinkedIn, you need to have a consistent message, all that stuff. But really what it comes down to, if you really want to go far and be a thought leader, it's, it's about putting out that personality, putting out the stuff that's unique to you in some way. And, you know, there's lots of people who will say nothing unique has ever been written. You know, and there's nothing, you know, no one ever writes anything unique anymore. Everything's always ever everything anyone wants to say has already been said, you know, these kinds of things. But I think, you know, that's not true. You know, for, for the moment, for the place where we're at, there are ways to you know be unique and stand out. And it's that's really what it's about. It's not about reinventing the wheel or you know inventing anything it's just about your take people are curious about what you think and and you know leaning into that kind of you know place with it this episode was recorded using riverside riverside is an incredible video recording and live streaming tool for video podcasters and video creators. With the ability to record videos up to 4k resolution all participants have access to active local backups which make poor internet connections and lagging audio a thing of the past. If you're ready to upgrade the audio and video quality of your show, please be sure to check out the link in the description to experience Riverside for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I think like, again, going back to what we are currently accepting as the norm in this era of building a personal brand, right? That grows your business, if you will. I think that's everybody's you know, goals, like, how can I be unique? How can I be unique? Right. And sometimes they like, forget anything rational to do with their industry. And they're like, how can I be polarizing? Like, <laughs> get, you know, these certain number of people here, which like, and some of us like, yeah, you've helped people make a decision about you, but is it the decision you really want them right. to make in the long term? Like, right. is, it, is that really what you want associated with your name? Is that the most yeah. important thing about you or for someone to know about you if they want to work with you? And I think I love this quote from uh, Cornell West, which was like, everything that is new and nuanced is built on something previous, right? Uh, so yeah. anything that you're adding to the conversation, again, is an addition. It's not like yeah. you're creating a new conversation or that you need to create a whole right. new conversation. And again, in this pursuit of like nuance and novelty, like sometimes we forget 
that, you know, maybe we need to like, obviously like ha showcase education of the, the basics, why they are there and then show why like we're building something in addition to that, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, and that's a really good point too. You don't, I'm not talking about being unprofessional in any way. Yeah, think about posts that go viral. Sometimes they go viral for bad reasons, right? <laughs> you do not want your posts to go viral in, in, in some cases. Like if you're the CEO crying because you had to let some people go, that's just not a good look, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. For a lot of reasons, that's not a good look. And so, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's not what I'm talking about. But absolutely, yeah, I love that. Putting your spin on something that's already been said or something that makes sense to people. You, you absolutely want to start from that common ground. Because if you're also, if you're too far out there, people are going to be like, what? <laughs> so they're not going to get it. So, yeah, finding that happy balance that, again, helps people kind of make a decision about you, I think, is, is where you want to be. That's the sweet spot. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. So going back to something you said that I think is really important, right? Which is what is your superpower and helping people define their superpowers. Sometimes we don't define it. Sometimes other people, like we put ourselves out there and then other people start to come to us and tell us what resonates with them, right? I think that has been my way to find my like differentiator or like unique value proposition, whatever you want to call it. There's like tons of, you know, terms. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think sometimes again, in this pursuit of like finding your niche, right? We get so caught up in what we think is the right thing to do and what we think people want to see from us that we don't allow ourselves to really just like be ourselves to begin with, like just be human and to express ourselves and to, you know, you know, express our opinions and see what resonates with people and then double down on that, right? Yeah. So there is this inherent, you know, I guess maybe pseudo pressure, but pressure nonetheless to just like find your topic, find your superpower, stick to it, hone in on that, you know? And I think like for the people who ascribe to that strictly, they get burnt out on that because they're like, well, there's more to me than that. And I haven't really, because I focus so much on this one topic, I haven't figured out how to inject other parts of my personality into this. Yeah. And not only let people know who I, what I'm good at and what I know and what I'm an expert at, but who I am now too, like in addition to that. And what about me lends itself to this, this industry or this field that I'm in? Mm -hmm. So for people who are coming to you and you're like, hey, I want to write a book or hey, I want to grow my brand on LinkedIn. And you're saying, okay, like what are, you know, some of the things you want to talk about, you know, how are, you know, we got to make this unique to you so you can still own this. And you're like, oh, well, I write about this one thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they write about, you know, maternal and child health, but right. never talk about the fact that they're a mother. Never, right. You know what I mean? There's some gaps <laughs> yeah. there, right? So like, yeah. We, yeah, so, like, how do we bridge that gap for people who are like, you know, I want to put myself out there. I want to put my unique opinions out there, but I don't want to maybe put my personal life out there. I don't know how to do it in a way it feels right to me. Yes, that's a really, really good question. And I would say, I say this to clients all the time, you know, we're not going to post something that makes you super uncomfortable. Um, you know, we, as much as we might want you to post about this thing, if, if it's off limits, it's off limits. Like that's, that's, you know, we all are allowed to choose our boundaries around that stuff. But I think you're right that a lot of people think, oh, I can only post about one thing and I have to put on this persona and I have to stand there and make sure that 
people know that I'm an expert. And what that means is I can never talk about my struggles or I can never talk about um, my personal, you know, reason for being here and why, you know, I have to be kind of, you know, the standoffish expert, you know, if I want to really grow my brand. Um, and I think that that's just simply not true. People want to know about the founders of companies these days. They want to hear about your kids. They want to hear about, you know, what you, how you do what you do. And a big part of that is, you know, you, you work out every day or, you know, whatever it is. Like there, there are people who want to know, how do you do the thing you do, Angela? Like, what is it that, that makes this happen? You know, what, you know, what, what's the secret <laughs> to being you, you know? And sometimes that's a very personal thing in, in depending on, I don't know about you, but depending on my mood, sometimes people ask me that question and yeah, I'm like, well, actually it's because I had a big breakfast this morning and that's really important to me. And I make sure that, you know, I, I make time for that and I can't get up before seven o'clock. You know, I'm sorry, I'm not a 4 a.m. hustler. Like that's not my thing. <laughs> it just, I need sleep and it just helps me to work better and I'm more efficient during the day when I, you know, sleep. So, you know, there's all these things that you can share and you can share them in a way, I think, that that allows you to be as vulnerable as feels good to you. You know, you don't have to share it in, a, in the same way your friend does or, you know, the people who are always posting selfies or something like that. You know, I, I think it's actually better to post the personal stuff rarely because then people are really like, oh, that's interesting. She doesn't usually post stuff like that. So this must be really important. You know, people make those kinds of connections and, oh, I never see her face. And look, she's posting a selfie. So I'm going to read this post, you know, that kind of thing. People go through it. And, you know, I say I'm a big proponent of being experimental because you're absolutely right. You will burn out if you're like, okay, I've got this strategy. I'm just going to stick to it until the cows come home, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's like, yeah, but in about, three months, I would give it three months, you're going to be burned out and you're going to be sick of it. You're going to be sick of talking about the same thing. And you're going to say, I have nothing more to say about this. Then I say, go and repurpose some stuff. That's my first piece of advice because you people can repurpose way more than they do. But also what would, you know, what would make this fun and exciting for you again? Like what would, what would make it more fun? And if it, well, I want to post about this new project I'm working on. Why not? That's great. You know, it's nice if it connects up with the stuff that you're doing now. So you look for those connections that you can bring in. But you don't you don't have to stick to just one thing all the time. I, I mean, you know, I, th- I know that that's the sort of the conventional wisdom and advice. But for me, that doesn't work. I will, I will get burned out. So I've got to figure out ways to make it fun for me. And one of the things I think makes LinkedIn fun in particular is connecting with people and starting conversations. So that's what I'm always thinking about when I'm writing. I'm like, what will start a conversation? Who will comment on this? You know, that kind of a thing. Because then it's like now people are engaging with you and it's not just you anymore. It's not, you know, all that pressure to be perfect or to be to, to say exactly the right thing in the right moment. That call kinds of fall, that kind of falls away once you're in conversation with people. Now it's like real, <laughs> you know, and, and that's where we want to be. You know, that's the authenticity that, that everyone's looking for. Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing about LinkedIn, especially for creators, a lot of creators don't like to use LinkedIn. And, you know, I maybe haven't been doing the best job about preaching the gospel of LinkedIn. But <laughs> but basically, like, my thing is, you know, a lot of creators are like, I don't get it. Like, I'm not a professional anymore. Like, I don't want to be forced to stick in these, like, rigid 
you know, whatever, you know, I want to post my art, I want to post what I'm working on. And there is space for that. Obviously, there are some creators that are doing absolutely incredible on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. posting and being vulnerable about their process and, you know, what they're going through as a creator and sharing their work, like doing a really big mix. And I think, too, sometimes we, again, we get in these modes where we're like, well, I have to post this, you know, in order to do this. And that's the only type of stuff I can post because that's what people care about on this platform. And it's like, well, not necessarily like, you know, and you'll see that as you get more comments, especially for me, people are way more relaxed in the comments. Right. And oh, that's yeah. what you want. That's what you want. Right. You want Absolutely. to get past that, like, you know, online demeanor, online persona where people are like, yeah, I hate this, too. Or, yeah, I love this, too. You know, or, <laughs> right. yeah, I've been thinking about yeah. this as well. Glad I'm not yeah. the only one or like, yeah. You know, get yeah. some some thought provoking can can happen, and I think that's beautiful. So agree. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's first and foremost a networking platform. So if you would go to a networking event and share about your art or share whatever you're working on, like, great, then do it on LinkedIn. You know, there are people who want to hear that. Um, yeah. You it might take time to find that community, but they're there. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone is on LinkedIn these days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just I think this is a great question to end on and it's really again going back to LinkedIn obviously I know this isn't the only ghostwriting that you do but going back to LinkedIn I think LinkedIn is also unique in that it is built for mutual connections it's not just like you know the thing about following your followers versus connecting that's like a new relatively new thing it is still very much structured as if like I'm sending you a connection request in the hopes that you will also like want to be connected not just like I'm following you for content and like you know i'm following you as a linkedin top voice or whatever like you know you're we are connecting with people we genuinely want to engage with learn more about you know all the share with all those types of things and i think i hope that they continue to stay structured like that because i think it also takes the pressure down of like you know why am i not performing as well what does my follower count say about me like all these things that, quite frankly, I think became a little more toxic on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every time the algorithm changes, it's like people get upset because now they're feeling, you know, dismayed that their content isn't hitting the right people, right? right. And like, oh, I got to do X, Y, Z to feed the algorithm to get, to get my followers up, to get my engagement up. It's like this endless wheel, yeah. right, where people are just on, right, versus... Right. LinkedIn being more of like a casual, like walking (laughs) environment, you know, so like completely different. You're getting out of the rat race and just kind of into this more slow thing where you're not expected to churn out content. You're expected to move a little slower, be a little more meaningful, Mm -hmm. you know, all these types of things that most people, quite frankly, aren't used to using social media for, which is ironic. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So as a writer, when you are like, okay, I want to focus on, you know, I'm willing to focus on being a ghostwriter for someone's LinkedIn account. Like, what were some of the things that set LinkedIn apart for you? And for, again, people on the fence about posting on LinkedIn, (laughs) what would move them off the fence and maybe make them interested in engaging on this network? Yes. Great, great question and setup. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I also appreciate the way LinkedIn works. It's pretty much the only social media I could ever see using for my business. You know, I have personal accounts on Instagram and Facebook, and I like to go there occasionally when I'm chilling, you know. But with LinkedIn, it's where people go when they're looking for professional help. (laughs) 
that is the first place they turn when they need a ghostwriter, when they need a writer, when they need a copywriter, like whatever it is, that's where they're going. They're going to look for people on LinkedIn because your profile shows them a lot more information than they could find through Googling you or maybe even going to your website in a lot of cases because you have to write out right out front, you know, your about section. You're talking about how you do your work and just as a nice snapshot of the, the kind of work you do and who you are. So that's you know, a really important tip, like make sure you use that valuable real estate. Even when people Google you, you your first entry is might be LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. You know, so people are going to come to LinkedIn, uh, you know, to find out about you. Um, so that's one thing, you know, it's it's a platform where people come to find leads, you know, to find people that they can work with. So that's why I sort of made it my goal to start doing ghostwriting for people on LinkedIn as opposed to Instagram or, or anything else like that. I work with service providers mainly and entrepreneurs and, you know, that's where your people are. They're on LinkedIn. So if you're a creator and, and you're at all involved with, you know, looking for clients or trying to find clients, or if you're a freelancer, like LinkedIn is just a goldmine for that kind of thing. And again, it's not hard to stand out. You know, you can you can make a name for yourself, especially if you're in an industry where there's not a lot of people on LinkedIn. That's actually a great thing because you can you can really push the envelope and stand out. Uh, you know, I, there aren't a lot of ghostwriters on LinkedIn. I, you know, there's getting to be more, I would say, but um, you know, I don't come across them every day, and so I know that I'm kind of in a place where I can, you know, stand out and and make myself known on LinkedIn. So I think that those are the big things. I'm with you on the way the platform works. I think, you know, everyone complains about algorithms of the network of social media all the time. That's like everyone's favorite hobby. And yeah, LinkedIn has it has its little quirks. You know, every so often my impression number will just take a nosedive and my clients will call me and say, what's going on? And I'll say, yeah, they changed something. They had to have done something algorithm because I haven't changed the thing. So if you're being consistent, you can actually make those kinds of judgment calls, you know, you, rather than, oh, I think it's just me, you know. Um, if you're being consistent about how you're using the platform, that gives you a lot of clues about what's happening with the algorithm. And it's not, you know, it's still not great. It's, you know, still that wonderful to lose impression numbers. But at least you can kind of say, oh, well, it's the algorithm or, oh, OK, well, everybody's experiencing this and kind of, you know, relax about it, maybe. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I, I just I think it's a really great networking platform. I love networking in general, I, which I'm surprised about because I'm actually really introverted. But I, if I get up in the right mood and I'm ready to network, I can be, you know, I can do it. And ne I really like how LinkedIn gives me the opportunity to kind of network from my desk anytime, all day long, dipping the conversations and dip out. I love the, the way conversations kind of unfold in slow motion on LinkedIn, like I can be a part of a conversation all day long and just checking back a couple times a day. I think that that's really fun, you know, like the thread of the conversation continues. Um, and I just, I've met so many people even, you know, talking to them after, you know, meeting them on LinkedIn. And people are so generous and I feel like I have a really nice network of people who I can ask for things when I need them for my business. So, you know, even more than the leads coming in, I think it's about the connections and the relationships that I'm building. And I just don't think, I don't see how I could build those relationships on another platform. Yeah, that is extremely well said. And I mean, like, I am 1000% there with you as like a fellow introvert who's like, oh, I can still network and not leave my house. Like, this is great, you know? Right. Like, one thing that I have said to people, people say, well, oh, you're only here for like, 
you know, less than a year before the pandemic hit. And I'm like, yes, but after I figured out how to get to work without GPS, I went to networking events after work every day for three months, right? So imagine like how long it took me to meet, let's say 500 people. Right. Now I can do that in like, yeah, half like a the couple time. of weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and not leave my yeah. house, not yes. get stressed about sitting in traffic <laughs> yes. after work. Like, how do I look? Yeah. You know, how am I going to yeah. eat? Like, I think that's all these things. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Can't great. recommend it enough. <laughs> for that reason alone, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think the point about connections versus followers is also a really good one. You know, I'm always, I always connect with people because I want them to be able to see my content. So I rarely will follow people, but you're absolutely right that right by that connect button, it says, do you know this person? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, I know this person, um, which, which everybody does, you know, but I do appreciate that that's at least like part of the conversation on LinkedIn. Like you really should be connecting with people you want to have a relationship with, not just, you know, yeah. spam them with your, with your info, you know? I mean, I always say, imagine going to a networking event and just being like, buy my thing, like to everyone you meet, like buy this thing, you know, that would never work, right? So you've got to kind of nurture people and, you know, and make those, make, build those relationships to get to business on LinkedIn. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing with me today, Emily. I really enjoyed it. I hope somebody out there who's on the fence about you know, LinkedIn and growing their professional network and just using their voice in a unique way online. Got something from this. And I just really appreciate you sharing your experience with us. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Angela. I really enjoyed the conversation.